Hi, and welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. I am your host, Sebastian Richard, and I'm here with my wonderful wife, life partner. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Richard. And tonight, conveniently, we're going to talk about marriage, and, and we're going to just share our experiences in marriage off the cuff, 18 years married, what did we learn from the our humble beginnings, <laughs> our very inexperienced beginnings, uh, to... Uh, today. Uh, so now I'm 46 years old. Uh, I proposed I was 27, if I'm not mistaken, to Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, and she was, she was young. She was, you you just turned 21. Yeah. She just well, turned 21 me. when I proposed. So yeah. Uh, so we, we learned quite a few things along the way. Now, for those of you who've been married for 40 years, you're going to find this episode funny. But for <laughs> those of you who've been married for three years, stick around, you're going to learn a few things. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Liz, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> she told me but, before the show, she says, don't put me on the spot. I don't know where you're going with this. Because like, <laughs> for once, I don't have... Because I said there's so many ways that we can talk about marriage. There's so many things to say. There's so many things to say. For once, I don't have any notes. Usually, I do this whole like Bible study kind of thing. Of course, we're going to dive uh, into some Bible passages uh, along the way. But that was not the goal tonight. I really wanted to go a little bit more off the cuff. Uh, a little bit more uh, relaxed show, if you will. Uh, but I think it's a, it's something that God put on our hearts this week to talk about marriage. Uh, we know that, well, marriage is always challenging, right? It's always challenging. But uh, with the particular challenges that we're going through right now, uh, whether you're believers or not, it, the, right now there's particular societal changes, societal challenges that can make it even more stressful, even more difficult. But we're yes. not going to address that because we did that. I think we did a COVID episode, uh, uh, how to how to survive together when you're confined together, something like that. We did an episode about marriage that had to do with that. But today we're just going to talk about uh, the evolution, I guess you could say, of marriage, how you perceive it when you get into it or before you get into it and how you grow into it. And for us, it was quite a, a, a well, it was a roller coaster, right? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who can say the same thing about their marriage. But uh, I think there's a, also a, a specific thing we want to talk about tonight is ma marriage before understanding kingdom and marriage after kingdom. So basically the difference, the, I guess we could say the differences between mm -hmm. a Christian marriage and a kingdom marriage. What's the difference? Is there any difference? Are they one and the same? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, all I know is that when we, uh, boy, when we got married, uh, uh, Liz has been very patient. I can say that. I, I can say that. She's been very blessed, but she's been very patient <laughs> as well. Uh, Both ways, yeah. I, I, geez, Liz, I was really green. I mean, that was, I, I, I didn't grow up with parents that set the standard. My parents were divorced twice. So that gives you a good idea of what I grew up with as models. So I, what I had to do in, in my young, uh, my late teens, early 20s, I had to try to pinpoint uh, couples, Christians, Christian men especially, that I admired and that I thought, okay, you know what? My parents are not models. I can't model my marriage after theirs. It's going to be a, a major train wreck. I have to find people that have God at the center of their lives and that have a solid, strong marriage to try and get some insight in some way or another uh, on how to be a husband, how to be a good Christian husband. So that was uh, that was a challenge. I even told her before I got married, I said, you know what, I'm going to bring a lot of 
theoretical knowledge in the marriage, but you have more than I do because you, you, although her parents' marriage was not perfect, they had a much better marriage than my, my parents, obviously. So I said, you're, what you're going to bring, the insight you're going to bring is going to be very, very important for me to learn and grow with you and also take the lead um, because uh, as the husband, we're called to take the lead. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the roles, uh, how we uh, how we live them, how we uh, read them initially in the scriptures, how you read them before marriage, how you read them at the beginning of marriage, how you read them later in marriage. It evolves. It grows with you. The Holy Spirit guides you through it all. And uh, you get to a better understanding of what it means really when Paul says uh, that uh, marriage is really an image of Christ and the church. What does that look like? What's the dynamics of that? Well, uh, we learned quite a bit. Yeah. And I would say, you know, uh, when I met Sebastian, the, the thing that stood out for me the most was how he loved the Lord so much and how he wanted to grow in the Lord. And he really had a thirst, a hunger um, to dive deep in the word of God and to, to understand the word of God. And I can see for him, it wasn't religion. It was really a relationship with God. And so I knew that, you know, this was going to make a good foundation for a good husband, even if uh, the background wasn't perfect and it's not like he had this role model to follow. He didn't. Um, but, you know, because of that, that really helped our, our marriage, because like he said, you know, it's so important for um, the husband to be the, the strong spiritual role. Uh, role model that, you know, takes you by the hand and teaches you and, um, you know, um, you know, calls you out sometimes when it's needed. And, you know, to really be that that's friend, that spiritual friend that you need sometimes when uh, things are rocky and, and, you know, we need to be united. And we did a lot of that, like even if we were green and we didn't always know where we were going. <laughs> God, I can say this. God is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> God, you know, and and we we were talking about this, uh, you know, because we're talking about marriage and how we perceive marriage and how we, you know, perceive like our roles. You know, we 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 read our roles in Ephesians. Um, you know, women like we read our roles in in Proverbs thirty one. And I was thinking about um, a book that somebody gave me a long time ago before I got married or when I just got married. I forget. And it was about, you know, the role of a wife and what she's supposed to be like. And I remember reading that book and thinking, oh, my gosh, like, seriously, can any one woman actually follow this completely and be um, a really good wife and not crumble? Because this is like aiming for perfection. Like, who's perfect like this? Right. Yeah, it was it was it was challenging. You told, <laughs> you, she told me about that book. Yeah. And I was like, seriously, I'm not reading any more of this. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is way too, like, I don't know, Stepford Wife-ish, you know? Step, it was, Stepford Wife-ish, yeah. It was like, um, like, you know, trying to create the perfect, perfect model of what that looks like. Um, even, you know, making it look even more perfect than what's in the Bible and then saying, okay, do this every day in and day out, do this for your family, do this for your husband, um, do this for the Lord. And it, it was a mouthful. I think it was called the excellent wife or something like that. Well, 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 thank goodness you, you didn't throw out the book with the, the baby with the bathwater. So, no. so you kind so, of like said, you know what, that, that might not be for me, but you still uh, mm -hmm. took your, your role at heart and, and I remember we were having this conversation, even like we were dating and early, early stages of dating too. 
and she says to me, uh, what do you think of Ephesians chapter five verses um, like the 20, 20 something, you know, the, the, where the part where Paul says to the wives and to the husbands, how to be, what do you, she, she goes like, and I knew I'm, I'm smart, you know, so I knew it was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it really was my philosophy. I wasn't joking when I told her that I was very sincere and I still, actually, I still apply it today. I still really believe that. And even if I were to counsel people, they came to see me, uh, men and women, uh, I, I would tell them the same thing. Th this is really something you need to, before the Lord, decide what you're going to do as a husband. Before the Lord, decide what you're going to do as a wife. In other words, here's your, here's your role. This is what God's word says. What do you do with that? What do you make of it? And I told her, I said, look, I have no control over what you decide, none whatsoever. But I do have control over what I decide. And I'll tell you what, I said, if I decide wholeheartedly to follow this blueprint in Ephesians 5 for me as a husband, and you decide as a wife to take this blueprint wholeheartedly before the Lord and make it your mission in this marriage, we're going to have an amazing marriage. No doubt about it. Yeah. And you know what? It hasn't been perfect, but it's been a pretty good marriage. I mean, there's been some there's been some bumps and bruises and rocky roads and roller coasters and all that. But uh, truthfully, I think mm -hmm. that we have both done that to the best of our ability. And uh, see, Paul, what I love about that passage, and we're going to read it. Uh, you're probably familiar with it, but we're going to read it nonetheless. What I like about that passage is that Paul doesn't pull any punches. He goes straight for the gut where we struggle. He goes to the man. And says, love your wife. Why? Because men were kind of uh, uh, self-centered creatures. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm just saying uh, we're not caretakers unless it's for ourselves. But even for ourselves, we're kind of neglectful. You know, so I look at my beard tonight and uh, we, we kind of let stuff go. And, and, and we don't we're not nurturers. We're not caretakers. And, and we're, we're, we're not good at in the love department kind of thing. And Paul goes straight at that and says, like, guys, <laughs> you got to love your wives as Christ loved the church. So he gives us a measuring stick. He gives us, like, the standard. And he says, do this. That's your job. And then he, he talks to the women. And I uh, I remember a preacher uh, once uh, did a pretty good sermon about that because he, he said that uh, he told the story that there was this pastor who uh, – who was uh, going to counsel a couple whose marriage was on the brinks, man. They were on the brink of divorce. They were very close. So uh, they, they get in the office. The man is, is furious. You can see like, he's, he's like really like, he's got some anger issues going there. And uh, he sits down in front of the pastor and he goes to the pastor and says, tell her, come on, tell her, show her from the Bible what she's supposed to do. She's not submissive to me. She is not. She does not submit to me. She does not. So show her from the Bible. Come on, pastor, do it. So pastor goes like, sure, no problem. So so he takes the Bible, says, what's the passage again? He says, come on, pastor. He says, come on, you know it. It's Ephesians 5. Come on, open it. So the pastor, <laughs> pastor opens the Bible. He says, you know what? Uh, I'm not too familiar with it. Could, could you read from it 
for me. He says to the man, he says that to the man, could I ever? Sure, of course. Get, just hand me your Bible. He grabs the Bible. Wives, submit to your, wait. The pastor goes like, wait, time out. And I was like, what? I just started reading. He says, yeah, but what, what does it say? What, what does it say? He says, wives, wait, wait, stop. The guy's like, what? It's like, the pastor goes like, do you have the habit of opening other people's mail? He says, that's not addressed to you. What's addressed to you? And then the man looked kind of like a little sheepish. And then he, he knew what was addressed to him because he knew the passage almost by heart. But now, see the problem that the, the point the pastor was making is, look, dude, do your job. You're not responsible for her job. And that part of the letter, that letter is, a, is not addressed to you. It's addressed to wives. And a little further down, husbands. And what is told to the husbands, if you get busy doing that, you won't have time to look at what she's doing or what she's not doing. Trust me, because you're going to have your arms full. You're going to have your heart full. You're going to have a doozy. Okay, it's going to be, it's a, it's a lifelong commitment. So that's what the pastor was getting at. And that was such a powerful illustration. And it stayed with me as a young man. I wasn't married then. I wasn't even, Elizabeth was was only in my dreams then. <laughs> so uh, I was, I hadn't met her, but I was like, so, um, wow, this is so true. Mm -hmm. Like I have to make this my life mission. And I, and I think that resonated with you, Liz, when I met you, when I, when we were exchanging yeah. on that and that's, I told you my view about it. I said, look, if you do your job, I'm going to do my job. It's going to be awesome because we're going to do it before the Lord. And, and uh, yeah, and I and I think you know from an experiential point of view, when you're kind of off, let's say you're kind of like in a mood, you know, you're not feeling well, um, and something happened, maybe you got in a tiff with a parent or something happens, and you're kind of like you know not super. Uh, you, let's just say you're you're kind of not letting it out on other people, but it's affecting your family. Your attitude is affecting your family, and, and um, you know that never happens in our household. Some, by sometimes the way. it's hard to because <laughs> um, you're in the moment, even if you know you're kind of out of line or something. It's kind of hard for you to go back on track. But when I noticed that for me personally, when this would happen, he would be so in check with how he would. Uh, behave and he would see something's off with me and then he would say you know stuff like uh you know i know you seem to like not be feeling really well but just so you know i love you everything's fine anything i can do for you let me know like he had like such a good attitude uh on his part about how he was going to um deal with this situation that it just would make me melt like it would just take away that um front or that whatever it is that was kind of bothering me. And that would be like, you know, this is like, why am I letting it out on him? You know, I shouldn't let it out on him. I should just deal with this and, and, you know, calm down and, and I'm okay. Like, you know, you know what I mean? So it kind of does that effect when, if the other person's always on the defensive, always expecting the person to always be perfect, 
um, when they're not, it also creates more uh, conflict, you know, and that's happened, but like vice versa, you know, there's days that you wake up, you just don't feel super well. Maybe you're cranky. You took care of the kids all night. They were mm -hmm. sick, whatever, you yeah. know, we know like life happens, right? We have three young kids. And so it's very easy to kind of let life, um, you know, kind of like, kind of uh, like a stone, you know, that kind of, um, what do you call it? Rubs against each other the wrong way kind of thing. Yeah. So that's when it's really important to be reminded, you know, that um, it's not personal. You know, the person feels a certain way. Um, I'm not going to take it personal. I'm just going to do what I need to do. You know, there's been times where he's been really frustrated, for example, against one of the kids that like ruined something that was important to him. And I'm just like, I'm just going to be the best wife right now. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm just going to be so sweet. And I and recognize just... <laughs> the transition. I actually see it. I'm like, maybe I should keep the shred going that I'm really pissed right now because this is really cool. She made me a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you but... know, we, we learn to live with each other at one point where it gets, um, you know, I would say that when you first get married, it's sort of like oh, everything. Man, we, you we kind of to... overanalyze everything and take everything so personal. And that was my my big problem in the beginning. And it, my problem was that he wasn't taking things in, enough personal, you know. Me, 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 and I, I was taking everything. <laughs> I was trying to read into everything he was doing and saying. And but sometimes I would actually stop her because she would she would read things into my behaviors. You put your shoes there to piss me off. No, 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 no. And I would be like, Did it ever occur to you <laughs> that maybe I just put my shoes there? Because I'm dumb, and then she was like, "No, it was more like no, no, that's impossible." You, <laughs> it was more like when he'd wash his his face, he'd wash his hair at the same time in the sink, and there'd be water all over the sink, and I'd like step in it on the carpet. It was more like stuff like that in the beginning. And sometimes I would tell her, "Liz, I'm not smart enough to come up with plans like this to piss you off." <laughs> And then, yeah, and then I realized over time, you know, he's just, that he's just annoying. He's not like doing it on purpose. To, yeah. Like, so the, there's the understanding yeah. men are men and there's yeah. certain characteristics that are similar to all men where, you know, they're just in the zone thinking of their thing and they're not thinking Be, of anything being self -centered, else. Being self they're not thinking of anybody else and they're just in their thing. And it's like a learning curve for them to, to learn how to, you know, think, okay, what, should I be doing? Like, should I clean up after this? Should I, you know, oh, she won't like that. So I've got to do this. You know, it, it, it was a learning curve. Yeah. I've gotten much better with the kitchen. I, I, I When I learned the kitchen was the key, poof, man, it was easy street from there because I, every time she was in a bad mood, I'd be like cleaning dishes, <laughs> emptying the dishwasher and man, it would just get back to smooth mill. Uh, but I, as we were talking, uh, I remembered a, a great meme I saw today about marriage and and i'm like i'm going to share that with the viewers tonight uh i'm going to show it to you guys i hope you can see it oh boy not good not good not good oh, no you can't see it just oh, read okay. it okay i'll just read it well you see a man uh his wife is on the sofa you can see his wife's not feeling too good and he's just putting a cover on her and it says choose to love each other even in those moments when you struggle to like each other love is a commitment, not a feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's something that most young uh, couples, young young married people usually fall for the trap of, hey, I'm not in love with the person anymore. 
love, you know, when, when they, they, they think they've fallen out of love, and it does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but, but they mistake love for that feeling, that, that fuzzy passion, that, that wonderful passion that is necessary to ignite a marriage. But uh, they, when that fades because you're having a fight or with that phase because you had kids and when that phase because you're tired or whatever, uh, they think the love is gone especially if it fades more. And, and guess what? The more the respo responsibilities pile on as your marriage advances, yeah. now the career and the house and the mortgage payments and the kids in tow and the dog and the dog turds and whatever, has, has these responsibilities just keep piling up, well, it, it can be easier uh, to, to, uh, to lose that, that fuzzy feeling. Mm -hmm. So you need to remember even more that love is a commitment and that the fuzzy feeling will be maintained if you're committed. Exactly. So. And I would say also, you know, I was thinking about that today, um, uh, this week, we we're talking about, you know, relationships, what we were taught, you know, in church and um, what we lived throughout the years and how the Holy Spirit had such a big part in, in our marriage and, um, you know, leading us in, in, um, in the different areas that we struggled in our lives. Um, you know, everybody struggles with different things. You know, some certain things might be easier for a person to, to deal with and uh, adjust to, and other things are difficult for other people to, to adjust with. And, and so the first, I would say the first five years are really like, you know, learning to understand each other um, and to really uh, know who, who you are as mm -hmm. a person, right? And who you are as a man and as a woman and and then those things kind of blend over time and um you want to talk about this podcast well i think that's where you were getting so we'll just share it like or you can share it now if you want no so yeah so i was thinking about that and i was like you know what um i don't even know like how a lot of couples deal with the fact that some like let's say if you're married for quite a few years and you know one of let's say that one of your let's say your spouse is um you know kind of religious you know kind of like i read the bible it's very mechanical i do this i go to church on sunday um i think i have a relationship with god but it's basically what i'm reading in the bible and it just basically stays at that and it's kind of like a religious relationship with with god and then you have the other spouse that's more of a um a spirit-filled believer, like has this, you know, close relationship to the Lord. And we see that a lot in couples, you know, you'll say like, oh, well, that person's on fire for there, God. There, and there's and the other more, yeah. one seems kind of be kind of asleep, you know? Yeah, there, there seems to be in, in many couples, not all couples, obviously, because we're, we're both like, but no, I'm no but I was I'm thinking kidding. of those but we couples, have seasons though. <laughs> I, I was thinking of those couples because there's been a lot of couples like that. And I was thinking, you know, how sad because in reality, you know, the Holy Spirit moves through us both. Yeah. And we've experienced that in our ministry and we've experienced that um, in our relationships um, together as, as you know, husband and wife, but as, as friend as well. How, you know, we've been there for each other when it's been difficult, when we've been going through different things. And the Holy Spirit has really guided us to kind of, you know, what that person needs in that moment, what that person needs um, spiritually, you know, what what they're going through with their, their walk with God and stuff. Mm. And so um, I think that it, that is so crucial. And I think it's very sad that a lot of Christians are more into this um, 
you know, religious way of being with God, where it's like, I've got to do the, the do's and the don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. The pastor said this, the pastor said that it's all very mechanical. They go to church on Sunday. Okay. It's on our to-do list. Okay. It's done. Uh, and yeah, the only, yeah. the only family time they have is on the Saturday. And, you know, basically there's no, uh, connection with the Holy spirit during the week, uh, you know, with themselves as a couple, working through these different issues and and going through these um, difficult times together or just developing in a personal way. You know, God is all about personal growth. Uh, God is all about you growing as an individual. You know, Sebastian Richard has to grow as an individual where he, where God wants to bring him in his purpose and in his kingdom assignments. And Elizabeth Richard has to grow in her kingdom assignments. And I know a lot of you are thinking sometimes, well, you're married, so they should be the same. But not no, always. No, not sometimes always, the no. kingdom assignments are connected, but they're distinct to each, each of your strengths. Mm -hmm. So they work, they align together, but <laughs> they complement each other if you want. But they are distinct and they are different because we're two di different individuals and God uses us differently. And even, even in our ministry, how God uses me, how the Holy Spirit works through me in the kind of content that we produce and the way he works through him is different. And you guys see the outcome of, of the, the podcast, synergy. but it's the synergy together because yeah. on our own, it wouldn't be the same thing at yeah. all. No, it would be very you know? different. And, uh, and, and, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, Paul's, uh, the passage in Ephesians, and I'm going to read it because I think it's important. It's, it's one of those uh, yeah. central Bible passages about marriage that so many of us struggle with because, especially in, in today, our modern world, we're like, well, that was good then. It's not good now. It's still good. Still good. Yeah. Still God's word. Uh, maybe, see, it's not because society around us changes that God's will for us does. Mm -hmm. See, God's will is for us to adapt to his word, not to adapt necessarily to society. Now you you have to adapt to society, but you don't you cannot compromise on the word of God and that's where it, it's a balancing act. It's not always easy, especially when society is so anti-God. Yeah. Uh, we live in an anti-God society, so everything screams uh, independence, independent, do everything separately. Especially, yeah, towards women, it's been it's been incredible in the last couple of decades. Yeah, you How, don't need him. Well, do everything. The, on I your should own. I should say no. Last last forty years, it started back in the eighties, but the point is, it, it's been a huge um, and and we need to like for many women, it's it's like what's necessary is a return of the pendulum. They call it. Yeah. See, what it was there was too much oppression. They fought and fought and fought and fought, and now that there's so many so much liberty. That, that women don't even know, like, they, they're kind of lost. Places. They're lost. They have no headship anymore, and they're completely lost. Mm -hmm. So we need a, a return of, the, of the, the pendulum in the right place. Mm -hmm. uh, so it says, obviously, now I'm going to read the letter to the wives that I was talking about earlier. Unless you want to read it, Liz. Yeah, okay. So read the part for the wives, and as soon as it says husbands, then hand it over to me. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. So obviously women, and I don't need to, to, to 
talk about that too long. A lot of women don't like that Bible passage. They don't like it. And uh, uh, they don't like it because of the way it's been taught mostly. The way exactly. Yeah. There's a difference between what is said and what is understood and taught. Mm. So, okay, so where we oh, so uh where okay. Husbands, that's verse 25. So Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did, he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy in and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Mm -hmm. uh, this is so powerful because uh, did you notice how the letter to the women is so short and the letter to the men is long. Why? Because the men have the bigger responsibility in the marriage. And that is what seems to evade a lot of men, a lot of guys out there. They do like that. The story I told you earlier in the, in the broadcast, if you're a late comer, the broadcast go back in the beginning where I tell this story of the, the, the guy who comes in the pastor's office and he's mad at his wife because she won't submit, but he's zero loving. So see, men, we need to have loving leadership and we often fail in one or the other. There's men, they're all leaders. Like they are all about leadership, zero love. It's, they have applying, a, it's applying servant leadership in a way. Yeah, not in a way. Well, it, yeah, it, it like is servant Jesus. leadership. <laughs> and, and see, there's these men who are all about the leadership of the, the headship of the husband. They go like, kneel before Zod. And they, they have this complete, completely haywire mentality. Uh, army sergeant, crazy, uh, that they completely misunderstand their role. Mm -hmm. uh, th but there, there's other men who are all about love. Yes, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, what do you want me to do for you, sweetie, today? Zero leadership. They have zero headship. They don't give direction uh, to the family. I mean, giving direction as in, hey, we have a mission, a plan, a vision. Here's where we're going with this. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the, here's our next five years. Here's where we're going. There's men who have zero of that, and they're all about doing whatever the missus wants uh, because they they want to avoid conflict most of the time. Some because in those marriages usually it's because the woman is taking all the room and she decided that she was going to be the leader and she won't submit and and so you have a, a completely out of whack uh, marriage in those situations and both are wrong. The man is wrong because he won't take the reins, but if he tries to take the reins, there's probably going to be World War Three in the household. <laughs> but sometimes. Sometimes I've seen that. I've seen testimonials of that of women who were very bossy, who took the reins because they felt he couldn't. Yeah. But the day he got up and said, I'm taking the reins and from that, that's enough and I'm going to do it in love and, and you're going to see it's going to be working. The woman kind of like at first was like, is he for real? And then 
as she saw that he was for real and that they was doing it, guess what? The, the, the balance, everything went like rebalanced itself in the household. Why? Because the man is the head. And if the man will take the mantle, if the man will say, yes, I will lead. Yes, I will do it. Yes, it's painful. Yes, I'm tired. Yes, it's hard, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's what Christ requires of me. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. All of a sudden, these men don't recognize their wives. They're like, what's happening to her? She's so soft-spoken and she approves of my decisions and, yeah. and uh, they, 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 they think they married a new wife. Well, there's, that's the thing. See, I think that the man as the, as the head of the house, as the, the one with the mantle, uh, when he, he does step up to the plate, the woman, if she loves him, I must say this, the woman, if she, she did, if she, there is love there, she will like get off her high horse and be like, well, I like that. Because women want that from their husbands. See, that's some, that's a big secret they don't tell you, is that women actually want that from their husbands. Even the, the bossiest of women, and not all of them, some are bossiest because they have a Jezebel spirit. That's for another podcast entirely that we might do someday. But uh, but some, like oftentimes a woman would just be like, wow, okay, I like this. Especially in the early stages of marriage, in the early years. When it, when everything uh, needs to be established, but I I think that you know like we were talking about servant leadership and if yeah. you know we've learned a lot about that in the John Maxwell team and you know servant leadership in the way that um, you lead somebody is so important in how you lead them if you do it with love if you do it with yeah. um, you know I'm in communion I'm in communion with God and this is what God is telling me. I want your input in this. What do you think about this? The Holy Spirit's going to speak to him and he's going to speak to you. And so I think, you know, for a lot of men, it's a, it's a question of um, involving their wives in those important decisions. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where men think it's, you know, they're supposed to have all this big chunk of responsibility on their shoulders and it's just always for them to decide. And then they, like it's just too much. They want to crack kind of thing. So it's so important to be, you know, to bring this to God, but also he gave you a help meet. So when yes. you come to, to your wife and you say, look, I'd like your input on this. You're, you're just like, you're not basically, you're not telling her, Hey, I don't know what to do. So I want you to tell me what to do. That's not what you're saying. You're basically saying, I want to hear your point of view. And I would like you to pray about this because I know the Holy spirit will, will, you know, tell you what he talks on, to you too. <laughs> exactly. We'll tell, we'll guide you yeah. as well. And together we'll see, you know, what the Holy spirit is saying to both of us. And, you know, every time that we've done this in our marriage where it's been like really important decisions, it always went smoothly because yeah, of this, did. because we both had this confidence that we were doing the right thing in the eyes of God and that we both felt aligned. Like we, you know, whenever there was something that he felt more pulled and I wasn't ready he would be patient and pray about it. And, you know, when the timing was right, then I felt it. And we just always moved, you know, one step further together in, in the important stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and another thing that I, that I noticed, uh, like the, we're, we're called, when we're married, we're called a couple. A couple is two, right? Two people, male mm -hmm. and female, he created them. So there's that difference going there, male and female. Another difference we just addressed by reading the Ephesians 5, 
uh, passage where Paul talks to the different roles. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the husband is called to love and to lead, and and the woman is is called to nurture and uh, be an aid and submit. In, in other words, because you can't have two people uh, leading, it doesn't go well. So, <laughs> so that's the way God established it. There's also uh, the two. Uh, there's an author, Egrich, I think he he wrote that book. If I'm not mistaken, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Anyway, he wrote a book uh, talking about the the oxygen tank of the woman and the oxygen tank of the man. And he mm -hmm. said, and it was very surprising because he said, basically, what women need is love. What women need is love. And when Paul said to men, love your wives, he was basically saying, give them the oxygen they need to flourish. Simple as that. Now, a pastor was once giving a, a teaching about that passage, and he said, he asked the, 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 uh, the man, what do you think your, 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 woman, your woman needs more? And they all said love, and the men were right. And so, so then he asked the women, he says, what do you think your husband needs most? And they all also answered the same thing. They said love. <clears throat> Wrong. And then he asked the man, what do you need most? And then it was a, like a couple of answers. And love was not on the list. Men desired and needed respect. Respect. To be respected by their wives meant the world to them. Mm -hmm. So that that was uh, in a, um, what do they call them? You know, when you compile statistics and when you, you do surveys of people. Yeah. He did that in the church Sunday after Sunday. And, 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 and that's what he realized, that the men, what they wanted was respect. They didn't raise their hands for love. Women raised their hands for love. Men, it was like my oxygen. What makes me flourish is respect. And because, it's so yeah, true. Because as there's men, that, we there's need that. There's that need to, to lead. And I was going to say, like, before, uh, when we read that passage, you know, the whole submitting submit part is that you know if you're going to be this authoritative leader authoritarian person then obviously you you think submit in your mind is like okay, shut, shut oh, yeah or shut up and listen <laughs> and it that's the way it is or, or it's the highway and you don't have anything to say right but i always understood that verse as respect and so yeah, we're exactly. talking about respect and you know, like I was saying, if you're both aligned into making decisions together and you both involve the Holy Spirit in it, then you're both going to have a peace towards that. And, you know, there might be times where, you know, let's say it's about your children. You know, sometimes we have different views of how we should do things with our children, for example. Well, sometimes you might be in total, you might not be in total agreement. Um, like, for example, you know, my son, he's a boy, right? So obviously certain things I see in a different light because I'm a mom. I'm thinking in a loving way and a, in, in, in nurturing, a, nurturing, and he's thinking more. He's a boy. He he's 11. To, he, he needs, needs to this. Explore, he needs needs to... So sometimes, you know, I'll just like submit and I'll just respect and say, you know what? This you probably know better in this area and this certain thing right now. I'm just going to, you know, stay out of it and, you know, I'll just pray about it. And, and if you need me or whatever, she just goes, let me know. She goes to me, yeah, I'll go pray for both of your souls now. <laughs> no, it's not true. No, but there's times like that. And it's funny because we were talking about this topic with our kids, you know, 
And sometimes the the kids don't know. Like they're like, who who's the leader? Because we talk a lot oh, about yeah, leadership. Oh yeah, that's fun. Right? That is funny. Well, I, it's, not, it's not really funny, but it's and, funny. And so we're talking about leadership, and sometimes the girls will say, "Well, mommy, mommy's the leader," and dad, and then Jason will say, "No, daddy's the leader." And there's like they're seeing different areas where we lead, you know. And so exactly. Well, you know, and I say, I, I I tell the kids, I'm in the I'm the leader in the important things. Everything else, mom's the leader. So for what you're going to eat in your sandwich, for what bag of chips you're allowed to open, uh, what time you're going to bed, that's all mom territory. Don't bother me with that. <laughs> so we we tend to, um, you know, talk about this. And it's funny how they perceive things, you know, because um, they understand the roles. But it's it's funny because everything that concerns them personally Sebastian, know, know Sebastian mine. gives me so much of a, um, like, how do you call it? Leeway. Leeway that there's a lot of decisions I take when it comes to the household and, and things that run in the household and this and that, because we have three kids and it's a lot to, to process. And, and I'm, you know, very methodical and I have my own routine and I do my own thing. And, and so, and he likes to take reins of other areas, spiritual areas and different things in our lives that, you know, matter as a, as a leader finances and this and that. So um, it all comes together, but you know, sometimes the kids perceive and there a certain were, area. And there were some growing pains and adjustments. Trust yeah. me, as we, yeah. as we were evolving in our marriage. And I want to get back to the Proverbs 31 because we put it on the screen and yeah. um, we did a, a really powerful podcast together. Good. We yeah. did it together and Sebastian gave his input in this. And I really recommend that you listen to it. Um, go to our website, thrivingonpurpose.com, and just search in the search bar, uh, Proverbs 31. Now, it's going to give you a, a really fresh understanding of the Proverbs 31 woman yeah. uh, who has been caricaturized a lot in, in church or in our understanding of it. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, it's been caricaturized. I think the word is right, caricaturized, because when you really take the time to read through this whole passage of scripture that most women feel they can't live up to, and, and rightfully so. We don't have the equivalent. Men, we have, I think it's 1 Timothy 3, or yeah, 1 Timothy 3, I think, where we have the qualifications of the elders that are sort of the equivalent of that, but not to the extent of Proverbs 31. Mm -hmm. But we delve deep in that, and man, that woman, if you think that that woman is a, a, a goody goody carpet kind of uh, I will do whatever you say master kind of woman you got her, you pegged her you got her pegged all wrong uh, she is so good at what she does and what she does is very nice she's so good at what she does that her husband trusts her completely in the sense like shut up and take my money why because <laughs> she is holy spirit led well obviously Oh, yeah, you're, you're going to argue back in the day. Yeah, back in the day, the Holy Spirit didn't reside permanently on people. She is Holy Spirit led, this woman, okay? <laughs> and uh, it, it, what, she is an entrepreneur. She makes big decisions. When, they, when it says that she goes out and buys a field, wow. This is this the part where the husband says, like, shut up and take my money. Because I know that you've got a, a, a way with transactions, a way with spotting a deal, a way with with seeing opportunities that have given us so much advance, advancement and prosperity that he trusts her completely mm -hmm. as a real 
partner, which in the day, back in the day, is surprising because, um, you know, we, uh, I remember my mom when she had gotten, uh, I think it was after her second, uh, anyway, back in the uh, 80s, let's say, beginning of the 80s. I was seven years old. My mom needed to buy a washer and dryer. And back in those days in stores in Canada, a woman, if she wasn't with her husband, needed someone to co-sign for her, even if she had a job. Yeah. Now, and I know that 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 uh, back we know what how in back in biblical times women were were almost not seen as as citizens, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Equal citizens with men. So it was really surprising to see that this woman is empowered in such a way that her husband is like, "You you've got this. Like, shut up, take my money, and go buy that field. Like, you go do it." You've got this girl, and she she like she's this entrepreneur who makes deals and and and, and creates. Um, uh, she buys a field, not the, the field, fields. but also the the material, the material garments and all yeah. kinds of precious garments and all that. And, and she's got a business going. I mean, she's yeah. trading and she's doing all kinds of stuff for the household. And and the point I'm making is this: this is a mompreneur. She's not just this. I'm staying between four walls, cooking and cleaning all day. Mm -hmm. She does that too, but she does that and, and far beyond for yeah. her husband. And, and it's just amazing. And I just want to add this, you know, I know that a lot of men are thinking, oh, well, my wife doesn't do that. You know, she's got her hands full with, I don't know how many kids and, you know, um, that's more than enough for her to deal with. And it's already a lot. And I, I already see that she's very tired and this and that, but you know, a lot of, um, a lot of men um, haven't, um, you know, and it's uh, women and men, you know, we've been t taught in church. Uh, the roles are like this. You take care of the, you know, take care of your husband, take care of your kids. That's it. You shouldn't want anything else. God created you for that. And that's pretty much it. And even, so, even the man, I mean, we, we've been basically taught to go out providers. and provide and good, yeah. you know, and nobody, make money. and nobody talks about purpose. Nobody talks about, uh, kingdom assignments that God has for us. You know, God did not create you just um, to to be a helpmeet and just to raise kids. There's another specific purpose for you that He has that He wants to come out of you that He designed you for and put those strengths and those different things inside of you and those giftings and those anointings and uh, even those mantles. So, mm -hmm. um, and yes, some of them in women, we see them flourish in the, the family area, in the, the children area. You know, you'll see some women doing wonderful things now, you know, for to be creative, making money online, uh, doing different things that have to do with kids yeah. that are related, that are kid related. And that's fine because um, it's part of your nature. I mean, and, it's part, and it's part of what they love, a lot of them. But there are other women that it's not, it's not what they absolutely love. You know, for example, let's say she's going to be a she she would be a really gifted painter, but she stopped doing it because, you know, she decided to have kids and then there's no time to do this. Well, what if you gave her a little bit of time during that uh, a week and you set aside a certain time where you both agree that that's her painting time? You would see her purpose. You would see other things flourish from her. You would see her become more loving because she's getting that quality time, you know, where she's alone with God and she's able to paint and just resource herself and, and be at peace, for mm -hmm. example. Okay, that's yeah. just one example. 
Uh, it could be something else that she loves doing. So when we, and you know, let's say her paintings, um, she puts them up for sale and they start bringing in money. You'll be happy that she did something that makes her happy, that um, she feels that, you know, she's connected more with God by doing this. There's what you call prophetic painting. Prophetic That's painting. an example. Yeah. And, you know, she sells some of these paintings. It helps put food on the table. Everybody's happy, right? Yeah. That's just an example. But a lot of people um, haven't even had this discussion together as a couple. And she's so overwhelmed with, with life and all the duties of life that she's not even thinking, you know, what could I possibly be doing outside of this? Because I feel like this is the only thing I was put on this earth for yeah. is to raise these little Christian children and make sure that they... And don't become screw ups and they become good Christian. But for men some, or for women. some women, that's it. That that's the, they, they are happy. They're devoted. That's their, their, their they feel fulfilled doing that. Mm -hmm. For some, from some other women, they, there's a part of them that's fulfilled doing that, but there's mm -hmm. a part missing. And that's what you're getting at. Yeah. That, that, that part that's, that might be missing for some women that, that they need a little more uh, leeway, I guess you could say, or, or, or free and, time and, to, and to get, to get into it. And sometimes it's just the advice, you know, some women, I've known some women to be very, very smart in business. And, you know, some men would talk to their wives about certain things. You know, they used to be maybe in the corporate world before they had children, or maybe mm -hmm. they just have a really good insight that the Holy Spirit gave them lots of wisdom. And that when you talk about certain things that are concerning your your work, maybe they have these this powerful insight uh, instinct that um, may, that is super valuable and they feel like they can be part of that and, and you know, somehow give uh, of what, you know, is a fruit for you mm -hmm. and, and they all benefit from it, you know. Um, there's so many ways that you can be creative. It could also be, um, you know, when you want to do something for the Lord together as a side ministry, maybe that has nothing to do with your work. Um, to, to do that together, to find something that you're both passionate and being a part of to help uh, people. You know, I know that even um, I've seen elderly people that are, are retired do this, where they, um, you know, unite together and say, hey, you know, we make a great impact if we implicated ourselves in this ministry in our church. And let's do this together if, you know, they both have it at heart and they flourish and they're happy together doing it. Yeah. You know, so there's many, many different ways that you can do this. But um, I'm just saying, you know, that the the Proverbs 31 uh, woman, I remember, like like I said earlier in the podcast. It traumatizes that, that, a that, lot that, of women. <laughs> that book, you know, that excellent wife. I really didn't like that book at, at the first glance of it. Because at the time, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure when you first get married You're to, overwhelmed. Be, to be perfect. And I really see, you know, Proverbs 31 as a woman that has seasoned and has developed over time. Yeah. You know, if I look at myself 10 years ago, I'm not the same woman I'm now. If I look at myself 20 years ago, I'm not the same woman I, I was, you know. And the Lord has just been using me in different ways and making me evolve and um, learn new things. And so I'm able to bring to the family as I grow in him, as I'm open to learning, um, you know, the, the whole aspect of entrepreneurship, of ministry, um, because I want to do it. You know, I want to learn these things. So, um, you know, a lot of people look at me now and they go, oh, Liz, like, how are you doing this? You know, how are you able to, to do this when you have the kids, when you're homeschooling, when you're doing this, when you're doing that, right? 
Um, and it's a lot on our shoulders, but it didn't happen over time. You know, it gradually is something that I grew into that I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me, teaching me different things. And all of these things benefit the family in return and make me happy. So he's able to say, you know what, that I can see that really makes you happy doing a certain thing. And he encourages me. And Absolutely. I've done that with him as well. Yeah, it's um, so important. I mean, in your marriage, that cannot be overstated. The importance to encourage and uh, uh, be it to be an encourager for your spouse because yes. life is discouraging enough as it is. Mm -hmm. We don't need someone that we're with uh, seven days a week discouraging us on top of what is already discouraging. So if if you can come home and you know that the person waiting for you there is always going to support and encourage you and be there for you. This is it makes a whole it makes a whole difference in how you're going to live your life and what you're going to accomplish for God and what kind of person you're going to become. Uh, there's a saying, an old saying that says, if you tell a man he is strong, you help him become so. Mm -hmm. And I think that is that is the essence of uh, what a wife should be doing and what a husband should be doing, uh, that, that his wife is wonderful and, and, and this and that and and just help her become so. Uh, it was, uh, geez, it was, um, there was an old story. I know I'm probably going to wreck that, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to share it anyway. Of uh, this, um, I think it was an African. He was marrying a, a, a really, really, really ugly woman, like the ugliest woman of the village. And back in those days, it was uh, customary to give cows to marry a woman, right? And the more cows you gave, the more the woman was prized as a as a future wife. And and so uh, so when the, the the guys got together, they they were you know trying to puff up their chest. And I gave so and so cows for my wife, and and then they turned to that guy who had married the ugliest woman in the village, and they were kind of snickering but trying to hide it. And so, how many cows did you give for your wife? And he gave the number of cows that he had had to work for so many years to acquire those cows to give her. But it was incredible the amount that he gave. And in the story, and this is probably where I wrecked the story, but I'm going to say it anyway. In the story, it had turned out that his wife was now the most beautiful woman. She had blossomed. In other words, she had blossomed. She has completely changed and became so confident, graceful, happy. She felt loved. And she was not the same woman at all that he had first courted and married because he added so much value to her by going all out for her and, and doing that for her. So she became this amazing uh, bride that all the men turned their heads when they saw her. So that's the story. I massacred it, but I remember <laughs> and I wanted to share it. I thought it was lovely and, and kind of Cute. Well, yeah, and it, it makes sense, right? Um, I don't know if it made sense, but well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Amen, and he felt yes. that she was special enough to 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 do that for her. Um, but you know, I, I, the other thing I wanted to add was, well, that kind of I had an it idea. Threw you and off. Threw me off. I do that. Um, we do that a lot. All the time, we throw each other off. Oh, there was something important. I well, to see. I, while you're thinking about that, I just wanted to share. I was talking earlier about the dual things, that, right? We're a couple, male and female, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> love and respect, mm -hmm. 
love and submit. All these things that are dual. There's also another thing that's dual is our uh, our reactions when we are in a bad place. Mm -hmm. So there's there, there's a psychologist I've often called it male anger versus female fear. Mm -hmm. In other words, when a wife reacts badly, no matter how puffed up she is, no matter how hulkish she may become, usually it's from a place of fear. Mm -hmm. And men oftentimes no matter how depressed he may seem, usually it's from a place of anger, anger towards himself, anger towards mm -hmm. his failures, anger towards, and, and, and that's why a lot of men commit suicide. A lot of men get so depressed, they hate their lives so much that they commit suicide. See, people think that, 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 that suicide is a cowardly act, and it, and it, in a way it is. But it stems a lot from anger and it's self-hatred. Self, you're angry at self. You're angry at life. Mm -hmm. But it's expressed in a twisted way where you end your own life. There's and a lot of pain, yeah. There's a lot of pain. So male anger also manifests in very ugly ways. We know just how far it can go when there's spousal abuse and all that. And, and they, they beat on their kids too. We know how far male anger can go. But we also know that... That, that some women can can throw a tantrum and throw plates on walls and stuff like that. Yeah. And oftentimes the man will think that he's dealing with anger. But oftentimes, 95% of the cases, 90% of the cases, he's dealing with fear that mm -hmm. is expressed the wrong way. Yeah. So, 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 rare, rarely women will, will... I remember Liz, in the beginning of our marriage, uh, we would have tiffs or fights, and uh, she was pretty expressive. And... She would tell me, and I thought she was crazy, but she would tell me, when I scream at you, it's because I need you to hug me. <laughs> that was when we just got married. Yeah, yeah first year of marriage. Remember that? <laughs> and I was like, I'm freaking out. You want me to hug a dragon? <laughs> because she was like, you know, when she would Upset. get really mad, it was not pretty. And I was like, that makes no sense to me. She said, to, and I remember she was, she had this lucid moment after the fight and she said, try it and you'll see. And it is so incredible. I tried it once. It worked. Tried it twice. It worked. And then I just kept doing that. Whenever she starts screaming or get mad, just go there and hug her. <laughs> I love you, sweetie. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and now she pushes me. Get away from me. <laughs> But 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 I understood her ways. In other ways, in other words, she was open enough to tell me, "Hey, uh, when you see this happening, it's because I'm really scared, mm -hmm. and I need you to reassure me." And I was bad at it. Ah, oh, I was the <laughs> worst. I was insecure myself. So she was like, "Reassure me." I was like, "Reassure you? Who's going to reassure me?" <laughs> it was like, yeah, the first few I was years very immature. Was, yeah, I was very immature myself. It was so it was it was something else. But once I learned her ways, and once she learned my ways, it started to yeah. become really smooth. And it, it comes down. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, Liz. I just want to say this before you go. Yeah. Just to hold that thought. Uh, there was that our pastor in our premarital course. He told us this, and it was so useful and so good and so true. When he said, you know, when you're getting married. You're enrolling in the university of 
He says, for you, Sebastian, it's the University of Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And for you, Elizabeth, it's the University yeah. of Sebastian. In other words, you're going to be students of each other's ways. Yeah. And you have to become experts. You need your doctorate in order for that marriage to work. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was so such a sound observation because once I began understanding her ways, her moods, her expressions, her size, there's even a, a little movement she does sometimes when she's... Uh, happy about something when i say something that she likes or that connects with her she does a little side <laughs> move i can't replicate it i look like a twit but she does it so well and it's so cute but now i i know when she does that oh i didn't I connect, even notice that i did that <laughs> i connected in a good way with her she liked that and, and then i know the conversation is really flowing uh, so go ahead and share what you want to yeah, say like Sharon. the first moment of how i perceive the thing he just said yeah I, did, I don't it's, even know. It's subtle, like but it's so cute, and I love it. <laughs> I well, I was gonna before you said that. I, what I was getting back to is purpose, Amen. and I can't talk enough about this because I think this is something that we lived that was very difficult in our marriage, and a lot of couples go purposelessness. Yeah, when when your husband does not have his purpose, oh boy, and he's doing a job that he hates or that doesn't align, that doesn't bring out a passion inside of him which I would say 98% of men are doing. Uh, I'll be that blunt. Mm, 98, you think? Yeah, that's nine, a high number. There's, yeah, there's, I would say, a huge percent of men that are doing the mundane thing, the, the you know, do this, do this, I have to do this, but they Because don't. they want to be responsible. They yeah. want to do the right thing, but sometimes the right thing isn't right for them. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, God designed you in a certain way, and you had this ideal that you were going to do this certain thing when you were young. And then you get to school and then you realize you're not that good in certain area. And then you realize, wow, okay, so what I wanted to do with the rest of my life is not going to happen. So I'm going to settle. Because those are not my job. strengths. And I'm just good at this and this. Or I can't just get by doing this. So, you know, you don't, you decide that you're not going to do that thing that you always wanted to pursue, that you're passionate about. And so you get stuck in the nine to five, or maybe even for some of you, you might have not even thought about that because, you know, your, your dad was a lawyer. So you decide to become a lawyer. It was just like, that's the family thing. Everybody becomes a lawyer. You know, there's people like that in the families that they just kind of are part of the business that their parents were part of and they don't give it a second guess. Right. And so I'm just saying, if you're in a situation where you're in a marriage, where you see your husband's not happy oftentimes it's because of a purpose either past hurts you know <clears throat> maybe it's past hurts of relationships that he can't move on or it has to do with purpose and when that has to do with purpose it's very it's very difficult because the wife just wants to make him happy and she'll do whatever she can to make him happy but when she's done everything she can there's nothing more she can do he still has to find his purpose. So I would I would encourage you women, if you're in that situation, to really pray for your husbands so that God aligns them with their purpose, that he opens their eyes to see where they, they you know, like I talked about it to him. I saw things first oh boy. and I talked to him about it, but he was so like, yeah, I'm mid, middle age. Like I'm not gonna, you know, change my life at middle age. This is ridiculous. Um, I'm just going to accept that I'm miserable and it's just going to be my fate. And he was like super negative. 
And so I even got his sister to kind of wake him up and mm -hmm. talk to him. And, and it worked. It and worked. I prayed a lot about it. And God. and God intervened. You know, God really started to realign Sebastian and in, into his purpose slowly and to to get on the right track of finding the information he needed to find and and opening his eyes to a different reality. And that made such a huge difference oh, in our Everything. marriage. It really took like we had a, already a good marriage and all the other things, but when it came to that aspect where I just couldn't fill that that no. role that no. he really had to flourish in and be happy in. Well, it was Miles Monroe who made such a good point of this. He said, you know, when God created Adam, the first thing he gave Adam was work, mm -hmm. a purpose. He was put in the garden to tend it. Yeah. Then he named the animals. That was his purpose. Uh, so he had a job. He had a purpose given to him. And... Uh, Miles Monroe said something. I remember hearing it and I heard it once I had found my purpose, but mm -hmm. man, I was like, whoa, that's rough, but it's true. Mm -hmm. He said, if you're a young man, if you're a young man or if you're an older man, doesn't matter if you're not married and you haven't found your purpose, your life mission, your assignment, your kingdom assignment on the earth, mm -hmm. do not marry a woman because you're going to make her as miserable as you are. Mm -hmm. He said that, and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Because I, 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 to my shame, I, I remember coming home that night, and I apologized to Elizabeth because I said, "You know what? I, it was very selfish of me to just want to get married. I wanted to get married. I wanted to get married, and and marriage has been a wonderful thing, and I love, I love Elizabeth, and I love marriage, but I made her miserable for a lot of years mm -hmm. because I hadn't found." or embraced, I shouldn't say found, but I hadn't embraced my purpose for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Uh, for some men, it's they haven't found it. For other men, it's they haven't embraced it. But no matter what, if you have not, because uh, women, what they want is they want to be the help meet. Mm -hmm. But how can they help you if you don't know what you want? Yeah, or you don't know where you're going. So yeah. they, they've been tailor-made to help you. Mm -hmm to achieve your the purpose that God has for you and they're going to they're going to find their own in the same uh, vein but it's 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 a and that, it's a powerful thing and that becomes the kingdom marriage you know we said that in the beginning that becomes the kingdom marriage yeah. and man what a difference it makes mm -hmm. when the man knows why he's here what he's supposed to do what God has given him to do yeah and he decides I'm going to do it no matter what. Oh, man. You didn't only ignite yourself when you did that, man. You ignited the wife because now she's like, yes, okay. I'm going to help him to meet that. I'm going to be his help meet. Yeah. I'll help him to meet that goal. Yes, because, because it all goes back to leadership, right? So now he's found his purpose. He feels God aligning him. He sees that God's opening doors in certain areas. She's seeing that as well. And he's... Um, and then she wants to be part of that. Of she wants course. to help him do that because she sees that it's give, bringing him joy. And it's like God really, the Holy Spirit really works in alignment together in, in that space where you you both sing together. That's when it happens, when you become a really a kingdom couple, because then you both want each other to succeed. You both want each other to win in this area because God is aligning you. He's designed you both to 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 
help each other. And it's not, you know, necessarily doing like what we're doing. Like we're both in ministry together. We're both in, 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 in our business together. We do a lot of things together, but not all couple couples will work exactly the same way as we do. So for example, you might see in a ministry or in a, in a business, the man's more in the obvious forefront, right? And his wife is there, but she's working with him on the back end, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, there's different ways. You don't always have to be like us, like always in front of people doing the thing. You well, know? there was, there was a, a couple, uh, he was the pastor and he, he was a tremendous preacher and she was uh, on the back end, like you just said, but she had the gift of evangelist mm-hmm. and what she did, she did better than anyone. She kept bringing people inside the church, yeah. <laughs> one after the other. Exactly. She would go out in the streets, go out everywhere, talk about Christ. People would convert, bring them in the church, bring them in the church, bring them in the church. Meanwhile, he was the pastor and doing the pastoral thing. Yeah. Uh, but that was a great dynamic, and it really worked for that couple. But uh, I, so I like what you're uh, what you're presenting here. So I think we're reaching the end. Unless you have something more you want to add, but yeah, man. Uh, <clears throat> Find your purpose before you find a wife, because if you haven't found your purpose, it, it's you're, you're only going to make her miserable. And it's yeah, very, and very painful. It's painful to realize when you're miserable, it's hard enough. But when you turn and you see that your wife is also miserable, it's excessively painful if you love her. Yeah. And, so I, I, and I'm talking from experience. Yeah. And I encourage you to go to our website, thrivingonpurpose.com. There's great free resources Absolutely. there for you. Yeah. And um, just put in the search bar purpose. Um, look at our different podcast titles. And uh, we did a few podcasts on purpose. Um, there's a few blog, blog posts on purpose that have really impacted people's lives um, in, a, in a way that, you know, a lot of people are trying to find um, their purpose. And yeah. it, it's, a, it's a journey that's not easy for a lot of people. Um, you know, there's certain strengths, certain areas that they know they're good at, but they haven't found that thing that God that really vision that wants them, them to do. And yeah. so, I encourage you men to, to pray for that vision, to pray that the Lord oh, al- yeah. aligns you in your purpose. And if you're listening and you're a woman and, and it's about your husband, then pray for him to, for God to align him with his purpose, um, for him to, to see it, for him to, um, you know, open his eyes to it and his heart to it because God does such wonderful things. I mean, God has worked in our lives in in wonderful ways where he's brought us to all kinds of resources. And a lot of times they were online because, you know, we live on a secluded Island in Canada and, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of people like we're not in um, constant communication with a lot of people. It's very small. There's not a big population here. So God really used the internet to bring us to all kinds of resources and meeting like really wonderful people online that have, um, you know, made a great impact in our lives through books, through all kinds of podcasts and resources. So we encourage you to, to go through thrivingonpurpose.com, check out the podcast episodes, the blogs. It's really going to bless you. Amen to that. I, so I hope the episode today blessed you. Uh, it was our pleasure to share with you our journey, uh, what we've learned uh, during the, uh, the course of our 18-year marriage. And we're still going to learn for sure uh, for, for the other 18, the next 18 years or more. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so we hope this has blessed you. Make sure you share it if it has. All right. So we're going to say good night to you guys um, and share the broadcast and the podcast 
And uh, thank you so much to those of you that have sowed into our ministry. Yes, thank we you. pray over uh, your seeds yes. and um, in a mighty way for them to flourish. And we just thank you so much. Thank you so much. Be blessed. And thrive on.